Good morning, everyone. This is a very exciting story. And I do have challenges for you. <coughs> Lord, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We are continuing our series on the book of Daniel. We have already met Daniel and his three friends in chapters one and two. In chapter one, when Jerusalem was besieged by King Nebuchadnezzar and they were captured and taken into exile to Babylon, along with other Jews, young men from the royal family and the nobility, the top layer of Jewish society. They were well-educated and trained to serve in the king's palace in Babylon. Daniel and his three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, were only teenagers at that time. Young men, but who not only believed in the one true God, but knew him, served him, and were faithful to him. They had already refused to eat the king's rich food, possibly because it had been offered to the Babylonian gods, and proved they could still be fitter and healthier than the others by eating only vegetables and drinking only water. They were given new Babylonian names by the king's chief official. Daniel became Belteshazzar, Hananiah became Shadrach, Mishael became Meshach, and Azariah became Abednego. Chapter two was all about King Nebuchadnezzar having a strange dream, which his own astrologers, magicians, etc., could not interpret. With prayer back up to Almighty God from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel could and did. The Lord God was with Daniel and revealed to him the dream and the interpretation. The king was very impressed with Daniel, his three friends, and the true God, and appointed Daniel to a high position in the royal court, and appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over all the affairs of the province of Babylon. This was just a quick recap of what has gone before. And now we are looking at chapter three. This is about 20 years later, and we find that King Nebuchadnezzar seems to have forgotten about Daniel's God, the true and living God, and has made a 90 foot or 27 meters high image of gold, set it up in a prominent position, dedicated it, and ordered his herald to command all the people to fall down and worship this image every time they heard the musicians of the court band play the various instruments of that time. I didn't want to go through the list. <laughs> they were told that whoever did not fall down and worship the image of gold would be thrown into a fiery furnace. This furnace was a very large oven possibly used for making bricks or smelting metals, and so had to be extremely hot. 
What a terrible thought. I cannot imagine what it must have been like. Of course, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not bow down to this image or worship it. These three men had been trained early in life in the ways of the one true and living God and were still faithful to him, even though they were living in exile in a strange land with a strange culture. They could so easily have just bowed down to this idol and life would have gone on much the same. But no, they remembered always the commandments that Almighty God had given to Moses in their early scriptures. Exodus 20, the first commandment was and is this. God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. That's clear for all time. And the second commandment is this. You shall not make yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. That's clear for all time. However, some of the king's astrologers have informed the king that these Jews were not bowing down to the idol, and the king sent for them. He was angry, but gave them another chance to worship the idol. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood firm. What courage these men had in the face of an extremely hot, fiery furnace. And what strong faith they had in the God of Israel, the one true God. And I just love their response. They spoke with one voice and said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the fiery furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image you have set up. What an answer. The God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. That's the kind of faith God loves to see. King Nebuchadnezzar was furious and ordered the furnace to be made seven times hotter. It was already extremely hot. And then he commanded his strongest soldiers to bind them up and throw them into the furnace. 
and the flames leapt up and killed the soldiers as they threw them in. But when the king looked in, he saw that they were unharmed. He saw a fourth person with them, which he said looked like a son of the gods, walking in the flames. Their clothes were not burnt and their hair was not singed. The fourth person was undoubtedly the Lord Jesus, the son of the living God. What a wonderful moment for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to see Jesus. They would have known him. And of course, the presence of the son of almighty God made all the difference to the situation they were in. The flames did not touch them. They trusted God after their declaration and God honored their faithful stand. Wow, what a mighty miracle. King Nebuchadnezzar ordered them to come out and praise their God, the one true God, for they defied the king's command, trusted God, and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their God, the God of Israel. He then promoted them again and announced that no one should say anything against the God that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego worshipped. What a wonderful story. I'm really excited about it. And I do hope you're all set for a challenge because I've got three for you. There are three main lessons here for us. The first is not to worship idols. God's commandments still stand. You shall have no other gods before me. And you shall not make an idol in the form of anything in the heavens above or the earth beneath or the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. In recent years, I have been amazed at the number of people who have large or small Buddhas or other deities in their houses or gardens. And being an avid watcher of antiques programs, I'm surprised at the amount of money people will pay for them. But an idol has nothing but the bare appearance of life. It has no real existence. It cannot move or speak or do anything. Why would anybody want to worship them or pray to them? The veneration of or worship of idols is an abomination to the Lord our God, who has said many times, I am the Lord your God. There is no other apart from me There is no God. That's from Isaiah and this one too. I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you. In this day and age, we might not find ourselves worshipping idols made of wood, stone, brass, iron, gold, silver, or any other substance. But we do have to beware as Christians not to be drawn into putting anything else before the Lord our God. 
there are many other things or behaviors that could be called idols or idolatry. An overindulgence of things which are not necessarily bad in themselves in reasonable amounts. The Apostle Paul says in Colossians 3, put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Overeating, Paul says in Philippians 3, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ, their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. The list is probably endless. The idol is anything which comes before or in the place of our worship of Almighty God, whatever claims that loyalty which belongs to God alone. The idol is anything which comes before or in the place of our worship of Almighty God, whatever claims that loyalty which belongs to God alone. The second lesson for us here is to remember that Jesus is always present with us and to be aware of his powerful presence, especially when we are in difficult situations or going through the fire, as it were. Jesus shares our going through the fire moments. God said he would never leave us or forsake us. And Jesus said, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. His presence with us when all around us is turmoil, pain, disappointment, rejection, or just plain aggravation does make a difference especially when we stand up for him, when and if there is opposition or persecution of any sort. His presence in the fiery furnace certainly made a difference. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not burned alive. It has been said that it is better to be burnt alive in this world for standing firm in God's truth than to be cast into the fire in the next world and lose our eternal life. And the third lesson is this. This is the biggest challenge of all. Do we have a but even if he does not faith? Do we have a but if he does not, faith. We can, and I'm sure we all do, believe that God answers prayers, though not always how we would want, and that he can deliver us from difficult situations and temptations. But can we go a step further, as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did, and say, but if he does not, we will still be faithful. We will still believe and trust in him. We will not worship false gods, but will continue to do what is right in his sight. It's a tough one, 
It has been said that if we can stand our ground over a small issue, we are much more likely to stand our ground over a big issue. It is tough. Because, as Anil said in chapter one, in our day there is so much going on around us all the time. And the devil, through our society, is doing his level best to get us to throw God and his divine word out of our culture, out of our daily living, and make us live the, the world's way. It is tough. But the more we read and study God's word, the more we believe that the Lord Jesus has done everything necessary for our eternal salvation when he died on the cross and rose again, the more we trust him with our difficulties and temptations and are convinced of his powerful presence at all times, the more we can stand firm against idolatry and whatever else comes our way. So let us cultivate a but even if he does not faith. I will let the Apostle John have the last word in his first letter, chapter 5. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. End of quote. So, brothers and sisters, let us cultivate a but even if he does not faith. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were so faithful to you and who were willing to lose their lives in this world in a horrendous way, rather than bow down and worship a false god, an image of gold. We thank you that they trusted that you would deliver them, and we thank you for their, but even if he does not, faith. We pray that you will help us to develop such a faith through your word and by the help of your powerful Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen.